This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air. I'm Pastor Dan Yazel, welcoming you to Grace Notes, an outreach of North Taranaki Methodist Parish. I invite you to sit back and relax, grab a cuppa, and listen. May God surprise us and bless us in this moment. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Grace Notes. I'm Pastor Dan Yazel. Have you had a chance on one of these beautiful summer evenings to go outside and look and just stand in awe at the stars that are spread in the heavens above us? There have been some glorious evenings lately when I've done that, and it just provides a chance to consider the, the wonder and the beauty of all of creation. In today's time together, we're going to look at a covenant, a promise made by God in Genesis to Abraham and Sarah that as you, they would go out and look in the evening sky, they would have as many descendants as there were stars. Welcome to this episode of Grace Notes. Thanks for listening.
Our first reading today comes from the Hebrew Scriptures, the book of Psalms. I'll be reading Psalm 27. Let's listen together with open hearts. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise up against me, yet will I be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God, of my salvation. If my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Precious Lord, lead me home. 
chapter of the book of Genesis is pivotal in the story of Abraham and Sarah. They have been promised by God that they would be the parents of a new and chosen nation. This morning, today, we hear of the creation of a covenant and assurances by God that the promise will come true. Sacred promises were often accompanied by ritual. So let's listen for God's word as it comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 15. I'll be reading verses 1 through 12, and then 17 and 18. Listen now. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house Is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no offspring. So a slave born in my house 
is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Here ends our reading. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me, please? God of every star and every moment, stir us, surprise us, give us eyes to see and imagination to believe as we behold your word this day. Amen. Now, covenant is a word that sounds kind of churchy, and I'd like to share this story or image to help create uh, an idea or illustrate what covenant is all about. If you could imagine walking on back beach around here, whatever your favorite Taranaki beach is, and Picture a little girl, kind of a young child, walking with her grandfather, and they're walking on the beach, hand in hand, and they're just walking, enjoying the moment, watching the waves, sharing that unmistakable joy of being outside, being with one another, together, a beautiful beach, on a gorgeous day, and as they go along, the child notices something. The little girl runs ahead and she picks it up and she carries it back and puts it into the large hand, her grandfather's, the one that had been holding hers, and she says nothing, but she offers it to him with a smile. And then again she darts off ahead. 
the grandfather. The old man opens his hand to find what's been placed there. It's this gorgeous, smooth rock. And with a tear of knowing, somehow in that moment, the grandfather now understands that wherever their paths go from here, he will always be her grandpa, her beloved grandpa. No matter what, there's a connection, there's a covenant that will not be broken. It's shared between these two. And that stone is part of recognizing it. Our reading today contains one of a number of covenants that are listed and lifted up in the Old Testament. It is the promise of children for Abraham and Sarah. It is the word from God that they will be parents of a whole new nation, of a chosen group, one that's going to be a light to all the world, people chosen to be the people of God. That would start with them. And covenants are hard to understand because they aren't contracts. They are not IOUs. And they don't always make sense in the usual way of viewing or being in the world. Covenants are binding promises, and they can be one-sided. They often are. Covenants with God saying, I will do this. And human participation is only to receive or to reject what God sets forth. Abram and Sarah were called to receive what God promised. And to them it sounded too good to be true. What was happening is that they were being called out of their barrenness, called away from the reality of their world. By God's word, their journey of faith begins on nothing other, no other basis than God's promise, as weird as it sounds, coming in this dream. A promise of children that had been given to them years ago. And at this point, the emptiness had continued for Sarah and Abram. The promise had not yet come true. And they were beginning to wonder, how could they, why should they keep on believing? Why should they hold on to hope? They were having a crisis of faith. And the opening verses of this 15th chapter reveal a rather dynamic back and forth the active nature of the relationship between Abram and God. Things are not at all static. Now, God starts the conversation about this covenant with the words, do not be afraid. And this disorients Abram because he is set on a future of fear. He knows how things work. He knew what to expect. And at this point, he was guessing the worst is going to happen. His deepest despair was that things were going to remain as they were. He had decided that there was going to be no change. That there was the call to hope for children. That was a false alarm. God forgot the promise that had come earlier. Right away in the beginning, God makes this foundational promise. I'll be your shield. Your reward will be great. 
Notice that Abraham doesn't say thanks. Sure thing, God. What Abraham says is show me. God accepts and understands this attitude. And in response, God does show Abraham. He takes him outside and shows him the star-filled sky, saying, count all those stars up there if you're able. You will have as many descendants as these. Doesn't make sense. Yet Abraham accepts this, and he shows faith afterwards. It doesn't say that he believed in the Lord, but it says he believed the Lord. Something happens when he understands the covenant that God is making, when he opens his hand to see the rock that had just been placed there, when he looks up and sees the stars. When God shows him those stars, let's just take a look. He begins to see things in a different way. At first, it doesn't make any real sense. What's the connection between the cosmos and children? God is the connection between Abraham's emptiness and the vastness of all the stars in the universe. The same God who makes stars beyond number can also make a son, children, for this childless family. We understand no more about how one happens than the other. Even so, it is true. God then binds them together in a covenant, one that says things will be different, one that offers hope for what is not yet. The experience of going out, standing under the stars, wasn't an argument by God, but rather it is a revelation. It's a vision that changes everything for Abraham. It surprises his old reality that says things cannot and will not change and shows him a new reality, one that's not based on human reason, but on a principle, awareness of God and gratitude for God's grace. His new faith is a miracle, and the breakthrough didn't come from Abraham thinking hard enough, which some church people like to do, or or Abraham getting in touch with his feelings, which some church people don't like to do. It was God breaking through to him, saying, Hello, I'm here, and I'm here for you. Faith is believing in the divine presence and in the divine promise, believing that promise is what establishes a righteous relationship, a righteousness between Abraham and God. Abram trusted the promiser, and he trusted the promise. This trusting, this belief is what sets us right with God. John Calvin discusses what he terms some of the properties of faith, that true faith has four qualifications, and he would describe it like this, that faith 
risks. Faith doubts. Faith learns. And faith hopes. Briefly looking at each of those ideas in turn. First, faith is incomplete in that everything is not revealed to us. We don't get the whole picture here on earth. Therefore, faith does involve risk, a sense of trust. Faith is like living, faith is living, like God is God, and God is good, even when life's experiences might seem to suggest otherwise. Abraham had certainly had enough experience which would have made it easy for him to say, there's no God. And perhaps we have felt that in our lives as well. But he and we risk. Risk living as if it were true. Secondly, faith, I believe, will always have a tinge of doubt. If there's no doubt, there's probably no faith, I would suggest. Because faith triumphs over doubt. God illumines us enough gives us enough assurance, and God's grace allows us to ask our questions, express our doubts, to doubt our doubts, and yet somehow hope and hold on. Abraham and Sarah could say out loud and write to God, show me, show me these children. I don't see how you're going to do this. They were still being faithful. Doubts are real. God's love and God's grace are more real. Their faith is progressive in that faith always mixed with unbelief and unbelief is always mixed with faith. To have faith isn't to be perfect or settled, but I think constantly curious and learning what we know is true and then have our reasons for why we believe what we believe, but we come to it on our own. We can't live out and love the faith of our grandparents until we have made it our own, and that is a process. And finally, faith is triumphant because it is permeated with hope. And hope is the expectation of things which faith believes to have been promised by God. Every prayer is an act of faith and hope. God doesn't give Abraham any tangible assurance of his faith, but still Abraham moves from a position of protest to acceptance of the promise. It is his faith in action. And it is by grace that we come to faith. And it's by faith that we find our true selves, our wholeness, and our salvation. Lent, this time, this season before Easter, as we prepare ourselves, it's a time of recognition of the barrenness in our lives. We risk looking, as we risk, looking at the barrenness that we face, the harsh reality of the doubts and the shortcomings that we each have. God knows all of this and still calls us to come, to show faith and to trust in the covenant. Lent is being at a crossroads with a question. Will ours be a life of continuing barrenness or will we 
like Abraham and Sarah, believe God and live daring lives willing to travel, willing to go places only promised, but not fully known. No easy answer can be given because our answer will change us. Yet this is the essence of faith. God is calling us to be changed, to live out the promises of our baptisms, to live as people of faith. Lent is a time to explore what it means to live by faith. To live by faith means that we are bound to God and God is bound to us. God offers that covenant promise. I will be your God and you will be my people. To live by faith means that we trust God in all things and above all else. That we trust that God has a dawn, a promise for each of our lives. To live by faith means that in the midst of this broken and alienating world, we live as a community that's part of God's universal love. This went, may we go outside, crane our necks, look up to count the stars. May we disregard our own voice of reason and strain to hear God's astounding voice of promise. May it be so for you and for me, now and always. Amen. So that's all for today. I hope you've caught a glimpse of grace through this time. You're invited to join us for worship and fellowship Sundays at 10 a.m. at New Plymouth Methodist Church, the corner of Weardit and Powderham Street. Until next week, God's grace and peace be with you. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.